0: In my opinion, what we don't talk so much about is this emotional, psychological part about losing weight. And that can sabotage actually your efforts without you even being aware of it.
1: Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be? Into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to Hopeful and Wholesome. Today, I have on the show Anna Uchetic, and she is a psychologist A certified wellness coach, and she is the founder of Balance by Anna. She lives in Eastern Europe and she really focuses on intuitive eating and intuitive health and using that to kind of drive your weight loss journey. So, today that's what we talk about. We talk about emotional triggers around food and how she kind of uses psychology to help people on their weight loss journey and how we can use that to make more sustainable changes in our health. She's got a lot of really tangible takeaways here on psychology of eating and the psychological reasons for why we eat and for emotional eating. So I know you're all going to get some good nuggets out of this one. Let's dive in. All right, y'all, let's jump in. I'm here today with Anna from Balanced by Anna, and she is a psychologist and a certified wellness coach. And we are talking all about the psychological and emotional reasons around food and your weight loss goals and all of those things that go along with like the emotional side of food and of eating. So thanks so much for joining me today, Anna. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted. Yes, me too. So let's kind of start with the basics. And you put on your psychologist hat for us. And explain to the listeners that what are kind of these underlying psychological reasons that people have a hard time struggle losing weight?
0: Okay. So like first of all, losing weight unless you have some serious you know, medical condition, is, um, it's a math equation at the end of the day, right? So that's why people are always struggling to understand why they cannot lose weight. Because if it's you know, calories in versus calories out, then it should be pretty straightforward, right? But it isn't. And so many people actually lose weight and then gain it back and lose weight and get it back. And I think I'm pretty sure now, after working with clients... That it's not just about the calories. It's not just about how many calories you you eat and how much you're spending. Although that also plays a part. But in my opinion, what we don't talk so much about is this emotional, psychological part about losing weight. And that can sabotage actually your efforts without you even being aware of it. So just to give you a couple of examples, and first for people to understand the mechanism when I say psychological, I don't mean that someone is, has a mental illness or has some serious... I'm just saying like the everyday things that we do on an emotional and psychological level that impact our weight loss right. goals. So every thought that you have will translate into an emotion and every emotion will translate into a behavior. It kind of supports the emotion, right? So if you have negative thoughts, then it's a negative emotion, negative behavior. Just like this is just like an uh, intro to this. So if you, for example, tell yourself that I'm never going to lose weight or I have lost only five pounds and I have 35 more to go, you're actually sabotaging everything you have done so far. And what happens is that like you feel like a failure, you're not good enough. Like That's an actual thing that you tell yourself, like, I have failed at this, I cannot do it, I don't have the discipline, I don't have the self-control, this will never happen for me, and imagine how do you feel in that moment? Not great, right? So what happens very often is that, like, in this moments, we do something which is opposite of our weight loss goal. We say, okay, listen, like, I tried, this is not working, this is not for me, I'm just going to continue doing what I was doing until now, I will just eat whatever I want. And very often, we will maybe even overeat out of stress and anxiety because we're not seeing the results that we want to see. There are different reasons why we're not seeing the results. That's a different topic. But psychologically, there are many things that can happen that will sabotage. Like, yes, of course, something can be about progress. It can be also comparison with others, like... People don't understand that if two people eat exactly the same amount of food and do the same exercise, they will not have the same necessarily body weight or body composition. Right. So comparing with others can also be triggering and feeling you know, defeated. And again, that's derailing you from your weight loss goals. Another very famous, you know, famous one is that like, I don't want to be like them, for example, phenomenon. So that's a phenomenon when you see people usually on social media who look airbrushed and perfect Mm -hmm. and you, you tell yourself like, I would like to look like that, but actually not. They're not that cool. Actually Mm -hmm. they're too skinny. They're too perfect. They actually don't have a life. So then you go again to the opposite direction and completely forget what was your initial intention, which was like to lose some weight or whatever. But I would say There is also one very important factor, and that's what kind of diet or eating style—if we don't want to use diet—are you doing in order to achieve this weight loss goal? Because that's very—that's playing on your psyche. Because if you are on a super super restrictive diet, like low calorie, low fat, low carb, you're fasting—you know, twenty hours a day. I mean, you're exercising two plus hours. Like, first of all, you are stressing your body. If you're doing this, especially for a longer period of time. But this kind of crash or fat diets will produce results shorter, right? But then the moment that you want to kind of start living your life, you will start to gain back because you cannot live like this for a very long time. So, and then starts again the psychological mechanism. I'm such a failure. I cannot keep up with my diet. I cannot, you know, I don't have the discipline. What's wrong with me? And that lasts for a while, this, you know, self pity mode without understanding that this diet was never meant to work long term. You haven't been eating in a sustainable way. You have been you know, severely depriving yourself. Therefore, you go back to the diet because you know it will work. So that's a very important psychological mechanism as well because this is exactly what happens to yo-yo dieters. So you go on a crash diet, then you feel bad about yourself because you regain, and then you go back to this thing that you know will give you You know the short-term result, this short high, right? But it it is a vicious circle. So there are many, many components. But when we're talking about the psyche or the emotions, you have the thoughts that you tell yourself, but also you have emotions that you want to avoid, and then you're using food when food is not needed. Mm -hmm. So if it's not hunger or an event, pleasure, and you know why you're eating. Then, food is not the solution, right like you know, but it can happen that your weight loss goals are stalling because you're not even aware how much you're eating in these moments when you are stressed, anxious, bored, sad, depressed, so basically all the emotional eating that occurs in in everyone's life let's be honest i mean sure. it's nothing it's nothing to be ashamed of. I always say, say to people it's something that is our mechanism of protecting our soul a little bit, is just not something that you should be using all the time, as you know, numbing your feelings.
1: Right. And so how do, because I know, you know, I've talked to a lot of my clients too about, you know, cravings and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, I think a lot of people have trouble distinguishing between like, what is an emotional trigger Mm -hmm. or like a craving and what is like, Like, what's the difference there? How do people distinguish between the two, like an emotional trigger and a craving?
0: Well, I mean, they are very, they're interconnected. You know, I think that everyone can tell you that they know what is physical hunger. Like physical hunger, you have symptoms, very clear symptoms, like stomach, your blood sugar drops and start shaking, you hear your stomach. So that's like very clear. With emotional eating, it's a little bit different because there is not something that is slowly coming up. Mm. Like with physical hunger, you're like, I should be eating. I should be eating. But, you know, I can go on a little bit. Like I'm working. I don't have time. But then it's like, okay, it's been five hours. I need to eat. So it's like gradually coming to you. Like it's information from your body that like you need to feed me. With emotional, it can be instant, super quick, in the moment. You finish the phone call with someone. You're super annoyed you're angry, you don't want to deal with it. You're like, okay, chips, you know, whatever, ice cream. Let me soothe this unpleasant feeling. Gotcha. I make a difference. So for me, this is, I mean, this is like what emotional eating is. So when you're using in a time also of happiness, it's not always the negative emotions, like also positive emotions. You are using food to distract you, to help you soothe, you know, to comfort you, pastime distract, you know, because you have nothing to do. I mean, especially during quarantine, everyone was baking. Right. Because there was nothing, there was nothing to do. So right. it was like, okay, let me just make use of this time. And everyone became a chef. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but the craving is very specific. Like you know how they talk about cravings during pregnancy. Right. You will hear people who did scientific, you know, research that claim that there is no such thing. Oh, that, it's wow. psychological, that, that it's actually psychological. That's crazy. That it's psychological. So for me, a craving is usually related to an environment. Okay. When I go to my mom's place, memories of, you know, dinner or, or some brunch or whatever, or my friend's place, this restaurant, this corner of the street, because cravings are also very emotional. It's nothing physical, but it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you're numbing. Right. Or that you want to forget about. The craving can be like, oh, I'm craving, you know, the pizza from last week because it was so great. Yeah. That pizza was so awesome. But it's not like I feel so sad, therefore I need a pizza. Right. So it's a little bit different just because the, let's say, the thought process is different. Right. Right. But cravings very often, people will tell you like when they go on vacation, like, oh, I had so many cravings. mm mm-hmm. It's just because this associates them with great time, food, drinks and you know, right. just relaxing and we do make associations because food is also very social. So we do associate, you know, throughout the year some foods with certain events. So it's not unusual that you crave these things specifically around certain people or moments.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense. So when people are hit with these like emotional triggers Mm -hmm. I guess what are some ways that people can kind of understand where these are coming from and kind of like figure out you know where all of these are stemming from so they know how to deal with them
0: Mm -hmm. I think first of all people need to slow down and really in a way not think that there is something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really want to emphasize this because people are like, I don't know what's happening. I'm an emotional leader. Like they label themselves as if it's something really bad. Like it it, it happens to everybody. It's like no judgment, but it's just something that you recognize that it might not serve your health. Let's put it like that. So nothing, you know, super bad, but it's something that could technically, you know, make you sick physically because you might overeat or it could influence some, you know, Numbers that you don't want to have in your bloodstream. So it's just like, first of all, understand that it's not, nothing, you know, so bad. And second of all, be willing to do the work. Like that's the hard part. That's why most people come to work with a coach. Because when you are in that state of overeating because you don't want to deal with something, very often it looks like you're possessed by an alien. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, you're out of your body. This is like out of your body experience. You're eating salty and sweet and bitter and, you know, like just eating, 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 eating. You don't have this kind of control of the situation. Right. And doing the work means a couple of things. One, one assignment that I do with the client uh, very often is this bird's perspective. So basically, if a bird was watching you right now, what would they see? That's often very embarrassing. Because no one actually, the reason why this eating is happening so fast is because they're embarrassed of the act of doing it. So they want to just overeat as fast as possible and get it done. Like just get it over with. Not like eat for three hours and enjoy, like you would enjoy a meal with a friend, which is like a normal size meal. So you have that one. But also keeping a journal is something that works for a lot of people really well, because we are not even aware during the day how much we are triggered by so many things in a good or in a bad way like you can have a friend who's like oh come you know let's let's have a few drinks and let's eat something and you already ate but you will eat again because it's an invitation Mm -hmm. and then you might feel physically unwell because like you just overate you don't know why you ate you why you didn't say no like let's meet up but i'm not that hungry but it can also be something bad. It can be an argument. It can be a disappointment. It can be sadness, bad news. It can be anxiety over COVID. I don't know. It can be many things. The problem is we have learned to live with these triggers and not pay attention to them. Do you know what I mean? It's like, to give your, your listeners a little bit of an example, like, it's like making a call to someone you know in advance you will be upset or annoyed. It's like calling a family member you really don't want to call. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like You yeah. cannot avoid them. Yes. You need to have this conversation yes. and you know that when you finish the conversation, it will be like, Oh, it's so draining. It's this, that, ah, let me have some, you know, donuts to calm down. <laughs> so, but you have learned to live with this right. without understanding the connection that like these triggers produce this kind of emotions, right? these emotions produce this kind of behavior. Now the trick is obviously you cannot avoid all triggers. Of course, some of them you can avoid, those that you cannot avoid. It's always interesting how people are trying to find a substitute that has that will not give them any satisfaction whatsoever. And that's where most of the time people make a mistake. To give you an example, if I tell you, okay, instead of ice cream, eating a bucket of ice cream, what could you do? So they say the most obvious things like, oh, I could read a book. My question is, does the book give you the exact same pleasure like ice cream?
1: Yeah. If it does, awesome.
0: But if it doesn't, we need to work together to find a way right. to find a substitute that will give you similar or same right. feeling like eating this. And that's how you change the pattern. Right. Like, I mean, it's, it can be something else. You, know? you can just also like talk to a friend or whatever, like, or watch a good show or, or something. But it has to be something that will give you the same pleasure. Otherwise, it will not really work. And also in that process, people have to be a little bit willing to experiment because it's obvious that they haven't been, you know, utilizing everything around them and they haven't been experimenting. They just used what's known, which is food, but it can be also some other things for sure. And it works, but it does take a little bit of trial and error, you know, analyzing your triggers, analyzing the emotion, the behavior. Now let's go back to step one. What can you remove? What stays? And then finding a new behavior to associate with this trigger. So, because again, triggers are everywhere. You can be triggered by a commercial, you can be triggered by a, you know, someone in the traffic. You can be all around us. And we have just learned to be like this on the edge. And then we're taking off this edge with, you know, energy drinks or coffee or sweets or processed food, just because that's that's the instant pleasure that we will get. Right. right. You know? Yeah, for
1: sure. So when cause I know I like how you say everybody eats emotionally at some point, you know, it's no judgment. Mm, that I like how you say that, but I, I know there's a lot of, especially when people get into like this cycle, like this, like you're talking about this vicious cycle where it's like this constant mm-hmm. thing. And they, there's a lot of guilt and shame that comes around that. And they're, you know, at some point it's like, well, there needs to be like some legitimate Mindset shifts around like food and our mm. bodies and stuff. So, what are I guess what are some ways that people can shift that? Especially for people who are like already in this constant cycle, and you know maybe they're putting on more and more weight because they're in this constant cycle of emotion and they don't know how to get out of it. So, what kind of what are some ways that people can do that?
0: One is recognize that you're in a cycle. Like that's a big one because people believe that when they're on a restrictive diet that they're in control. Right. Like, think about it. So getting a meal plan uh, from some diet, you know, like you can eat this, this, don't eat this, eat this when, this is the portion, whatever, like an app thing, you know? So that actually means for most people that they are in control. Like I'm in control because I know what I eat, when I eat, how much I eat. Actually, they couldn't be further away from being in control because they are not controlling their hunger and their fullness cues at all. They're eating even though they may not be hungry. They're not eating when they're hungry. They're not eating the food that they want to eat. So step one is recognizing you are in the cycle and the willingness to get out of the cycle so you can find the food freedom, right? Second, very important thing is that your body and your weight will change over time. I mean, like in your 20s, 30s, 40s, before, after kids, no kids, menopause, like there is a little bit of this pressure for women mainly to freeze our bodies in like in at some point and for this never to change both face and body actually that's why there is no term mom bod
1: right Do you know what I mean like there that's is a dad so-
0: bod but there is no
1: I never thought no, about that
0: yeah there is no there is no mom bod right there is no true. mom body yes. you have to but there is bouncing back right the and pre-baby also body. exactly the pre baby body mm-hmm. as if you didn't birth. And also you have just a small digression, but also you have anti-aging products. Mm -hmm. Like we're not allowed to age. Yeah. So my my philosophy is that like, understand you're in a cycle, understand that your body and your weight will change. Third, don't diet. Like that's key. What I mean by, by that? I think intuitive eating, everybody can learn, but it is a process. The first process is not to be on a diet. And it's super scary because that's when you realize that you're actually not in control. Right. You don't even know what you like to eat and, you know, because you have been just following someone else's rules for so long. But intuitive eating has different steps and coaches will do that with you. And basically what it means like permission to eat. Now, people freak out when you tell them permission to eat because they think that they will be like unleashed you know, dogs and eat only junk food and whatever. But it's actually not true. It can happen for a week, yes, but then your body will tell you, okay, listen, I need the fruit, I need the vegetable, and then you will realize that all your life, while you were dieting, you gave so much power, that's a mindset shift, so much power to certain foods, like they are the bad foods, and these are the good foods, and you were in this all or nothing mentality, you know, like if I eat a cookie, I eat a bag, if I sleep one day... I'm sleeping until next, you know, three days because then Monday comes with a new diet. So these are all mindset shifted, like all food can fit your diet. There are no good and bad foods, but you, you shouldn't be on a diet. Now, what I mean by that is that I don't mean that you should eat healthy foods that you don't like to eat. If you don't like salmon, don't eat salmon, but don't call it a good or a bad food, diet food, anti-diet food, whatever. Like that's... This labeling is actually where people get, you know, kind of, it's a disturbance because if you are labeling food as or good or bad, that means that if I'm eating bad foods, I'm a bad person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's the mindset shift. Like you're not a bad person for right. eating a cookie, but you're also not a good person for eating spinach. Right. Mm-hmm. Food has no moral value. You know what I mean? Like you just have to figure out what works best for you. Now, of course, some people depending on their lifestyle, where they are in their life, they might need more proteins, more carbs, more fat, less fat. I mean, that's very individual, but that's not being on a diet. That This is just like managing you know, your needs right. through food, like your energy needs through food. But the mindset shift really has to be, I'm in a cycle and I need to get out of the cycle. I cannot diet. My body will change. And if you are on a weight loss journey, which is what we started talking about, understanding weight loss journey is not linear like your body doesn't want you always to lose 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 and you can never kind of outsmart your body that way I mean unless you're using some substances and stuff like that but if you're doing it the natural way yes then you know your body will be like wait okay let's plateau a little bit and you know because you have been losing steadily for four weeks five weeks now let's see how you feel and that's meant for you to assess like that's what people don't understand. They're like, oh, I plateaued. This diet doesn't work. No. When you plateau, it's meant for you to assess if I eat like this for the rest of my life, am I happy with the results? Right. Like how I feel, how I look, and so on. Right. Because you cannot be constantly going lower. Yeah. Or, right. you know, or or more of something. And I think that's actually a problem because whatever you start, is it an exercise program and a diet, you will always see results, especially if you're coming from an unhealthy place. If you never worked out, if you only ate, you know, let's say, you know, processed foods and junk food and so on, it's obvious the moment you start eating whole foods, whether it's vegan, vegetarian, paleo, whatever, you will lose weight, but you will not be constantly losing weight. Right. So it doesn't mean that you have to do more of restriction or like more clean or more exercise or more fasting. No, no, it will backfire. Your body will be stressed out and and shooting cortisol, and then you will start to keep all this weight on you. So I think the mindset for me is key. And I would say also a very important thing for the people who are constantly in this cycle. It's a question that I always ask my clients, is that like, uh, we need to understand your why. Why do you want to lose weight? You know, like, what is the core belief behind losing weight? When I live with this weight, this is what happens. When I lose weight, this is what will happen. Why do I want to lose weight? Like Ask yourself these questions because there must be a specific reason if you're going constantly up and down besides the fact that you're probably restricting too much and then you're just too hungry. But it can also be, for example, when we were talking about pregnant women, I had a couple of clients who realized that they actually don't want to lose the weight now. That's why they're unable to keep up with this because they're not actually ready to invest. It's not their priority. You have to have such a strong why. I mean, it cannot be something superficial and it cannot be something seasonal, like for a bikini season, wedding, vacation, because this thing will pass. Mm -hmm. Like the wedding will pass and then Mm -hmm. what will happen? So your why has to be something that when, you know, when it's tough in the journey, because it's not a linear process, of like, okay, but I know what I'm doing. So I'm doing this because my blood pressure is through the roof and I don't want to be on statins and, you know, I don't have energy to run with my kids and I cannot run up the stairs, you know, I'm like tired or whatever. So it has to be something more, a deeper connection because this weight loss journey is not an easy one for most people because again, they are looking for a quick fix. Right. And not thinking that this is a long-term thing.
1: Right. No, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And I, th- I mean, I think that's, you know, as a society, probably something that, you know, a mindset shift we all need to make too. It's that sustainability piece that you're talking about. Like the quick fixes, you know, Yeah. the quick fixes don't work, you know. So mm-hmm. shifting gears just a little bit here. How did you get into this realm so as a psychologist and now you're you know you're a wellness coach how did you get into this and kind of the psychology of eating
0: how i got into this It's a good question well i um, my story is rather typical i would say because i was a very you know skinny kid and then in my teens i gained quite a bit of weight because it was a lot of emotional eating happening but I didn't understand it. And then I went on my first diet when I was, I don't know, 16, 17. And then I was on a roller coaster of restrictive dieting up until yeah, like for, for a good decade, I would say. Uh, just like trying to find that magic pill, that magic solution that you know would fit every possible diet. But of course, you know, they don't work. I was never assessing like what was happening inside of me and like why I was doing this and who I was doing it for and whose approval I was searching for and where I wanted to fit in. I didn't think about that at all. I completely separated my mental health from my physical health and I was just focused on my physical health. And whenever something was not going my way, it was because of my physical being, you know, it's because how I look, right? So... Yes, I did study psychology, but I was always into all of this kind of topics. And when I I had two kids, my body really changed a lot. Some would say in a good way, some would say in a bad way. But it made me realize that I will never be able to please people because due to some hormonal issues, I lost quite a bit of weight. And then I realized that the people who were telling me all my life to lose weight now were concerned how skinny I was. Mm -hmm. So there were some aha moments happening there. And I just decided to leave the corporate world and and start something on my own. And then I got certified because I kind of understood that my quote-unquote suffering was really because I was always sent to dietitians, nutritionists who were very science-based. So I would go in, take my measurements, We don't talk about my eating history, disorder eating. If I have an eating disorder, we don't talk about my traumas. We don't talk about eating in my family, nothing. Basically, like, how much do you want to lose? Here is a paper. You eat this, this, this. Let's see you in a week or don't come back. This will be enough for you, right? So I remember that I felt like unheard. I felt that no one will help me. And I felt that this will be my life. And I'm doomed to live like this. It's a horrible thing to live with, you know, like constantly unhappy in your skin, right? So my personal life changed. I got married. I had kids, but then I was like, okay, what is my mission and what I would love to do? Like, I like many things, but I love this part because I really want to provide help for, you know, young girls and, and boys and women who are really stuck in this cycle Because again, just like them, I really thought that I was, I had so much power and so much control, but actually I didn't even want it. And for me, losing the control over food was very big component. So that like, you know, I can, I can eat different things and I allow myself to eat different things, but it's more than that. It's really something that I am, I, I empathize a lot with because I've been through the process. So it's not... I'm not like some psychologist with a theoretical knowledge, and then I, you know, uh, I empathize a lot, and I just feel that it's something that I can be of service yeah. to some some people, you know. So, so that's how I ended up here seven years ago.
1: That's awesome. That's, that's, I mean, that's knowing that you're working with somebody who's experienced all of that firsthand is, I mean, that's crucial for all the people that are mm-hmm. with you, like you've been there, so yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. So, I like to give. I mean, not that you haven't already, you've given lots of tangible tips here, but I like to give of some tangible tips for people to take away. And you talked earlier about, or we talked about you making sustainable changes. So what would be like your top, I don't know, two or three steps that people can take to really make sustainable changes with their health rather than like we're talking about then what you experienced, that cycle of, you know, dieting and not dieting or whatever. So what are some ways that we can make sustainable changes? get started with those?
0: I would say, okay, there are many things that can fall under this, but I would say get clear, first of all, on what kind of changes do you want? What do you expect? Like that's crucial. Why you're doing this? What changes? Why, why, why? That will guide you. Yeah. Get off of the diet. Like stop trying to find control there. Eat whole foods mostly. And also, also very important give yourself the permission to eat foods that are on your forbidden list. Mm. You will see that they will not be so appealing. <laughs> like there was one really good comparison, like with, I don't know if it was a dress or a t-shirt sweater, whatever, but it was like when you go to a store and you buy a, you a know, beautiful sweater and then you're wearing it like almost every day for a week. Do you know what I mean? And then... Then you're like, oh, I don't want to wear it anymore. I want to wear something mm-hmm, else. Mm-hmm. And then I wear it after three weeks. That's exactly what happens with food. Yep. In the beginning, of course, you'll be like, okay, give it to me, like give it to me, whatever I I, I was, you know, depriving myself of. Yeah. But then when you know you can have it, it's kind of it loses a little bit the, yeah. the appeal yeah. and also the power, and also this idea that it's kind of a bad thing. So there's the diet, it's it mostly whole foods, but give yourself the permission to enjoy whatever it is. And I would say because we were talking about emotional eating, another tip would be try to assess what's going on before you go on a bench. It's a difficult thing, but will this help me solve how I'm feeling right now? Is the question. And you know, sometimes it happens that like if you imagine you're in that state and you say, okay, if I eat this bag of cookies, will it help me? When you say it out loud. And when you say, okay, of course it will not help me. I will just then feel yucky and full. And, you know, I will feel again what I'm feeling, but just like on top of it, I will feel a little bit unwell, bloated maybe. And I don't want to feel like that in this moment. It takes like a couple of minutes for your brain to rewire. Not that you shouldn't, but like if you are repeating a cycle, then you know that this is not really working for you. Right. But again, you will never achieve sustainable results if you are on a diet. Yeah. Because diets fail people over and over and over again. By diet, I'm not saying being vegan, just to be clear, or yeah. like being vegetarian. I, I'm saying yeah. more like I'm eating 1000 calories a right. day. And right. I'm talking about some restricted right. things. I am avoiding all food groups. I'm avoiding this. I'm avoiding that. Yeah. That's what I mean, like by hardcore dieting. Right. Because it, diets are meant to fail you. Like it's very hard for people to to accept this because you know you have this feeling that like diet is your best friend. It's helping you lose the weight, but they are actually the, they are actually the concept. The grass is greener on the other side, right? You know because what I have is not good. Let me go back there and let me go back there, and that's how you stay in the cycle. So dieting and intuitive eating or dieting and food freedom they don't go together.
1: Yeah, totally. No, it's great advice. So before I ask you my last question, where can people find you and learn more about you and all the things that you're doing with your coaching business? They can check
0: my Facebook page, Balance by Anna. I have also a free group, Balanced by Anna, that they can join. Instagram, Balance by Anna, as well as website. And they can join my, let's say, email list. They download the cool, some cool freebies on the website as well. So Balanced by Anna is... Pretty much on every platform. Yeah, perfect. They can find me.
1: Awesome. Yeah, And I'll put all of those links in the show notes for everybody to check out easily. And, you know, I like to finish with the same question that ask everybody. So what is one thing that people can do to live with purpose?
0: Oh, to live with purpose. It's a good and a hard question, actually. Mm-hmm. So for me, the whole point of this life that we have, you know, and that's why my business is called balanced by anna is not that you feel the pressure to be balanced every day but as a whole and that you're thriving to life through life and not surviving i would say that the one thing that you can do to have that kind of you know life is probably what helps me the most is develop self awareness mm. from there came all of what i am living right now where I was, where I was stuck, what I wanted to achieve, why I wanted to achieve. Like I had a lot of this, you know, monologues and really like some deep inner work to get to where I am right now. So for me, it would be self-awareness. That's like, I find it crucial to live with purpose.
1: Yeah. I totally agree with that. That's been like a game changer in like my own like development too. So I totally agree with that. Thank you so much, Anna. This was great. And I know this was super helpful for, I mean, I have these conversations with people all the time, but to get like a deeper psychological perspective on all this is really, it's really helpful. So thank Thank you you so much for all your insight. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review to let me know what you thought i love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope thehopepedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks y'all.